0: Start on demand. demand. Another shooting at Johnny G's on Main Street—the second in six years—begs the question: Does this shooting make you fear for your safety? Problems with your heart could lead to problems with your mind, so says a new report from the Heart and Stroke Foundation. We'll speak to a cardiologist about it and a survivor of not one but two open-heart surgeries. A Texas man is dead after his vape device exploded in his face. Should you be worried if you or your kid vapes? I'm a vapor. I'll give you some insight into how these devices work. And an Ohio man got on a train with his baby, put his baby down, ran out for a smoke, and the train left. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, February 7th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, thank you for joining us this Thursday morning. And Loren, yesterday morning, we learned that there was something happening at Johnny G's on Main Street, but we didn't learn what that was until shortly after we got off the air.
1: Yeah, we had been told all morning that there was a serious incident there, but police weren't saying much until uh, later in the morning. And what we've now since learned is that was a double homicide, gunfire ringing out at Johnny G's just after 1 a.m. Wednesday morning. That's a pretty popular late night restaurant. And when that gunfire was over, two men were left dead. It's not yet clear what's behind the shooting, but as Global's Brittany Greenslade explains Winnipeg police say it appears the two men were shooting at each other.
2: Sirens, ambulances, and a snowy February morning. A familiar scene for police and unfortunately for staff at Johnny G's. Uh,
3: Shots came from inside the restaurant. We uh, had a number of units respond.
2: Two men shot and killed inside the late night restaurant. While police are looking into how it happened, Global News has learned the two appear to have shot each other one woman who works there was also injured an employee tells Global News the woman was shaken but okay it's happened here before almost six years ago to the day in February 2013 24 year old William Moore was killed during a gangland shooting at the same diner and now Two more violent deaths. The restaurant owners tell Global News they're frustrated and their hands are tied. They say staff check IDs, but short of patting people down, there's nothing they can do. And police agree.
3: Everything that could have been done was. I don't know if there is a gang involvement here. If there was, I can tell you the high probability was that there was nothing indicative that they would have been gang members.
2: Police say it's not a location problem, instead, pointing to the type of establishment a late-night eatery that can often attract criminal activity. Brittany Greenslade, Global News.
1: So as you just heard in Brittany's story, the owners weren't willing to talk, but they have posted on Facebook this morning. They have two locations. The one at McDermott is now going to be open later until 1.30 a.m., but the Main Street location is going to remain closed until further notice. I, I have a question for Winnipeggers. If they hear this story and they think possible gang or there has been a gang shooting there before, do we just brush it aside and say, well, then... I'm not worried about it, or does it actually make you think about crime in the city and your concern over gun use? Because all the Facebook comments yesterday were like, oh, no, this is terrible, scary, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And then the other spectrum was, I never go there, or I'm not out at two in the morning, so who cares?
4: I think any time it happens in a public place, it elevates the profile of what's going on and puts... Innocent people in danger and in the crossfire, literally in this case. I know of at least one nightclub, I can't remember it off the top of my head, in the exchange where there was a shooting. That was the end of that business. Was that at uh, opera? No further down. Uh, because more, it's not and, up and anymore. The, now it's four four one main. Yeah, I was thinking more. Uh, I think a longer time ago oh, than okay. that, where Norma Jeans was once upon a time.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah was that at the corner of like Rory and Bannatyne. Back,
4: back, even further closer to the river on Bannatyne. Okay. And so you know these things. Obviously, the people that own these businesses. This happens. Mm-hmm and it can destroy their reputation. Johnny G's experienced this on Main Street six years ago. They managed to stay open. Will it survive this time around? That's uh, obviously a question mark at this point.
0: Yeah, mm. regardless of whether or not it's a targeted shooting or it's gang, you know, you had a situation in Baritalia where someone was yes. was yeah. targeted. Uh, so there's part of me that thinks, well, that should mean I'm safe. But as you, you mentioned the word crossfire, just because very specific people are in the crossfire doesn't mean you can't get hurt. So yeah, they, it's scary when you think that I here I'm I'm up late. I used to go out to Perkins all the time after the bar I was out all the time late at night having a snack. I'd been to Johnny G's in the Exchange. So the idea that somebody could walk in and open fire is scary.
1: And it's easy to say, well, like you mentioned, it's targeted. But yeah, people are how good are people with guns? Like, are they out practicing all the time so they know how to hit the person that they're after? And and what about things like shrapnel or if you look at someone the wrong way or if you're you know you're your witness to that. I mean, all those things go through your head, and some of these shootings, sure, they're late night, so you're, you'd have to be out. But some of them are not. They're happening in, in daylight, and we heard from the police in the fall about rising gun crime and the rising gun seizures, and the theory that there may be more guns on the street, and that's a, that's a growing concern for sure.
0: We start this hour once again at the site of a double shooting.
1: Yeah, and police actually remain on scene of that double shooting, which was inside Johnny G's restaurant on Main Street. Two men shot dead around 1 a.m. Wednesday morning. Global News has learned it appears the two men shot each other, which means there isn't likely another suspect at large. We're still waiting to hear more from police on that, but but we know the shooter didn't flee the scene. That was what was being said yesterday. The question we want to know is, is, does that make you feel any better? When you hear about gunfire in the city or anywhere in Manitoba... What do you think? Do you think that th- that's our question of the day, actually, Brett? you know, does That doesn't bug you because you never go downtown or you don't go to this establishment or you're not out late or because you just think that people who are using guns are very specifically targeting certain people?
4: I think we do that with all crime. When you hear the report of a certain incident on CJOB News, you draw a circle around and you go— is that anywhere near me? No, not really. And then you move on with your day. I think we're all guilty of it, of painting a picture of a map of Winnipeg, and we have an idea where we think most of the crime takes place, and it isn't until that crime takes place in a location where we frequent, we've been, or are planning to go to, or it has us kind of going, hey, wait a minute, maybe this is more serious than we thought.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, there is the... The sh- some one of our listeners texted us. Remember the shooting at Salisbury House? Mm-hmm. On you know I, w- I went there last month. Um, so, but it, and I, as I sat there, I thought there was a shooting here once. So that does kind of give you pause. Uh, but I, I'm not going to stop going to places because of one incident. And unfortunately, in the case of Johnny G's, two in the last six years.
4: Right, but it does have us asking the whole question about is. Are the number of guns, is that proliferating, is the kind of crime we're seeing in Winnipeg changing,
1: Lorraine? Well, police have said that, you know, knife, I believe edged weapons might be the term, are still the weapon of choice for so many crimes in the city. But they've also talked repeatedly about the fact that they're seeing more guns and gun seizures are on the rise. We know they said that in 2017 and again in 2018 talking about how they're seeing a spike, but also seizures like a semi-automatic rifle that was taken in October and a series of gun calls in August. Here's what Constable Rob Carver had to say back then about guns.
3: If there is a shooting, to be able to investigate that, we have to have, we, we, we deploy all the units we need to do that effectively. That's going to be our priority. And unfortunately, property crimes and crimes that have occurred where the suspects have already left get moved down. The message is that this city is is facing uh, a lot of crime fueled by drugs and methamphetamine, that those drugs and and, and the meth lead to people bringing guns and a level of violence that we haven't seen, and that the draw on police resources is enormous. It seems as
4: though we've experienced an exponential rise in terms of of gun calls and the number of calls that police are attending or incidents where guns are discovered. And we're not hearing about all of them necessarily, Loren. And that's maybe the scary thing. I think a decade ago, if there was a gun involved, we heard about it. It it made the news. But my perception is that not everything gun-related is newsworthy anymore.
1: Mm. And and then what does that say about where we are at a crime level? Now, as for this shooting at Johnny G's, we don't know any details about what was the motive, what was behind it. They haven't said uh, anything that has indicated that it isn't gang-related or that it is gang-related, uh, just that they, you know, they continue to investigate. So we've asked Winnipeg Police for an update this morning, and we hope to, to get one, if there is one, to give. We also don't know if drugs were part of it or anything like that, but but the gun is the thing that stands out for me this morning.
4: Does that get your back down, though? Like, you know, you, you get this the, this response, like, oh... Shooting in a public spot where there are innocent people, where there are bystanders. In this case, a bystander, a waitress at the at the at the restaurant, was struck by a stray bullet or shrapnel. We don't know exactly, but we do know that she was uh, struck. When you hear that it's somewhere else between you know two individuals with maybe crime connections or gang connections, Brett, do you kind of go, oh, okay, I feel a little better now. I do
0: feel a little better, but as you pointed out, there, there was some someone else, a bystander who was caught in the crossfire. So I, I think for me, the lesson is just maybe show some extra caution. But I also try to remind myself, like I when I go for, out for a walk on a busy street and I've got my headphones on, I, I sometimes have to, I sometimes will take them off or at least take them off one ear because if if there's a traffic incident behind me, I'm not going to hear it. Sure. So the point I'm making there is. Danger can lurk around any corner and I I don't want to put myself in a bubble because I'm scared because of this kind of an incident. But, but-
1: the perception's interesting. I had to—I was telling you guys I nearly ran out of gas on the way to work this morning. I stopped at a gas station and he asked me to turn my car around because they'd like them to face out and away from the gas station. And I was—and I immediately thought that was had something to do with per- crime prevention. Like That was my immediate instinct. And he said, oh, no, it's just because we want the traffic to flow east-west and not ter- people turning the wrong way. It causes all sorts of chaos. But this morning, I was thinking it was something far more sinister. And I think that's part of the problem, too, that we might feed into to, um, the concerns, are, and are they real or not? It's more top of mind. Sure.
0: Question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Does the shooting at Johnny G's make you worry about your safety? Log on to cjob.com. We've also popped that poll up on Twitter and on Facebook. And in a moment, we want to tell you about something special that we have planned for tomorrow. And you'll understand why we're telling you now, because we want to talk about the weather.
1: Yeah. And this is uh, kind of a trend we've been seeing over the past few years. But last year, the temperature on the surface of Earth was the fourth highest in nearly all. 140 years of record-keeping. Scientists from both NASA and from the Oceanic Atmospheric Administration in the U.S. say there have been spikes up and down over the years, but overall, the recent rise in temperatures has a clear correlation to the rise in greenhouse gases, in their opinion. And they're saying that all this warming highlights the challenges by governments to reverse those human-made effects. Here's Global's Eric Sorensen with more on the data and what it reveals.
5: Now
6: it's freezing rain across much of Ontario. A week ago, it was record cold. Both could happen in any year, but swings in extreme weather have been predicted by climate science, including this year's polar vortex. The latest data shows once again last year was among the warmest on record.
3: 2018 was uh, quite uh, clearly the fourth warmest uh, year in our record, which goes back to uh, 1880.
6: You can see from NASA's maps, temperatures over the last 40 years have moved from more bluish, cooler than average, to reddish, which is warmer and then even much warmer than average. And while 2018 was only the fourth warmest year on record, the warmer ones were the three previous years, 2015, 2017, and 2016, the warmest of all. You can see the trend. And part of the reason is an increase in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, in this case, the troposphere. In 15 years, CO2 has gone from less than average, again, changing to reddish, meaning more carbon dioxide than average in the atmosphere. And the effects can be seen at the top of the world. Over the last 40 years, you can see how the Arctic sea ice has been melting. And that should matter to Canadians because it's in our backyard. Advocates say recent and dire climate findings mean Canadians will increasingly expect action from their political leaders.
7: We have the scientific understanding. I hope that we're also understanding it's the political will to enact that policy leadership that is absolutely essential.
5: Canadians pay for his mistakes. In Ottawa, the
6: debate is underway in this election year.
5: The government will raise the carbon tax drastically after the next election. Yep.
6: Campaigning against a tax is often good politics, but the Liberals are counting on public opinion shifting in favor of climate action.
5: The leader of the opposition
0: promised that he would be delivering a plan to fight climate
5: change, uh, and we are still waiting.
6: The question is, can the, uh, will the Conservatives have a realistic policy to reduce emissions, and will Canadians accept that carbon pricing is a price worth paying, if the money is being returned uh, in the form of some kind of rebate. Another sign of change, this committee in Washington has taken up climate change for the first time in 10 years. Today we turn the page on this committee from climate change denial to climate action. The political climate is also changing. Eric Sorensen, Global News, Toronto. So the political
1: will versus the public will and the Liberals counting on the story you heard Eric Soren say the liberals are counting on the public pushing this agenda saying yes we care about climate change I don't know we talked about carbon tax all last year and it was killed in this province because I don't know there was the political will but also people saying I don't want to be paying more money for anything
4: well there's a lot of people that feel as though if you look through a lot of discussion here in Manitoba Manitoba is carbon neutral in the eyes of a lot of people why should we be paying for the sins of our neighbors yeah and that's one of the justifications for sure. a lot of people in this part of the world and that's what happens right when mm-hmm. when there is a financial fallout and there's a call for for taxes to be to be paid and to be charged a lot of people like to look around and go, yeah, well, everybody else should pay that, but we shouldn't have to. How or, many times
1: do you hear someone say, oh, we can reduce ours, but look at China or right. look at all these other countries? So we first we say in Manitoba, we're doing pretty good. Why do we have to get upset about, say, the Ontarios and their plants? And then in Canada, you might look at it and say, well, we're bad. We could be bad, but geez, look, there's somebody else that's worse. Why isn't China doing anything? And then we just keep passing the buck.
0: But, right. and another thing, too— People could be opposed to the carbon tax because they might say, well, I do everything that I can for the environment. I recycle as much as I can. Or maybe you drive a a hybrid automobile or you take Take your bike to work. But you still get penalized in your wallet. So that's got to be frustrating for a lot of people. And then that frustration could just make people say, well, forget it, I don't care.
4: Well, on the flip side of that is the federal government's carbon tax plan appears to or suggests that a lot send back and give all the money back that you're going to put into it. So is that really a tax anyway? Is that going to deter anyone from from their current actions and how they do things? Probably um, not. I, so I, I, I don't know. Don't I that. just, I, I don't get it either. So I I think what we're demonstrating here in about three minutes is the fact that for as much as we can acknowledge, look around and see things are changing, all the smartest people in the world are Can we say have a consensus on this? Because there are still people, as long as we still have uh, at least somewhat of a minority of people arguing whether this exists in the first place and who's to blame for it, it's going to be difficult to really have the entire planet behind any sort of action plan. To change it and to turn it around. Now, Greg, there's a headline
0: at globalnews.ca that caught your attention regarding, you mentioned the word neighbors. Yes.
4: Regarding our neighbors in Saskatchewan. Yeah, coldest air in over a decade hits Saskatoon with minus 50 wind chills.
1: Ooh. That's the coldest it's been in, like, because we've had minus 50 wind chills. We just had that last week, right? Did we not? Yeah. And so Saskatoon is not had the same thing in 10 years this is what they're saying i feel like we get to minus 50 once a year i could be wrong about that but
0: once every year yeah i don't know if it doesn't get to minus 50 we get close yeah uh but it certainly has happened more than once in the last decade
1: yeah and like and i like i'm for sure in my lifetime yeah several times right so that's interesting does that make you happy greg
4: Well, when Saskatchewan has stuff that we don't have, it makes me jealous in this case. Yeah, I'm jealous because they haven't had what we've had, apparently. Okay. Well, hey, all this talk about weather. Well, you know what? Let's just play
0: something that producer Kyle put together because we want to tell you what we're doing tomorrow.
6: I'll give you a a winter prediction it's going to be cold, it's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. (laughs) All I need is some tasty waves, cool buzz,
5: and I'm fine. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation.
0: It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. Homer, my hat goes off to you.
5: It's cool in here, boy. For the rest of the summer, we can live inside the refrigerator. I have today's forecast for you. Hot! I went to that tanning place your wife
7: suggested. Was that place the sun? I asked for my Mai Tai and they brought me a pina colada and I said no salt, no
6: salt for the margarita, but it had salt on it.
2: It's got fun, it's got sun, that is amazing. Yeah, you guys are gonna have a blast.
6: Actually, we
0: have found a great group print. Oh, there's the fine print. Yep, yeah, it's cold, it sucks. -50 in Saskatoon, Southwestern Manitoba under an extreme cold warning. We've endured just some punishing winter weather in the last couple of weeks. So tomorrow, we want to push all that aside for CJOB Getaway Day, one day of summer. Where are we going? On CJOB.
1: A getaway of are the mind. Are we broadcasting
4: live from uh, the Bahamas? Like
1: where what, where are we going? So our, our news director sent out this note saying, "You know what? It's bad for everyone. it's let's get some people just to talk about warm weather and things that make you feel good, which is a great idea because, you know, you can, you can at least in your mind go places. And then I almost wrote back, like, all the flights I had instantly looked and how quickly I could get us all <laughs> to Cuba. I was like, I can get us down to Cuba in, like, 40, 40 45 minutes. There's a flight leaving at 6. tonight. You know, it's like, you in? Did just, it I, fly? I just need 5K a week off. And a uh, couple, we probably need some sort of technology down there, but did, did that get uh, you know, uh, vetoed? Yeah, it did, uh, didn't go out because. So what, what
4: are we doing? We have just lamented what we're not going to be doing. What are we going to be doing? Tomorrow? Well, we're just going. We're going to pretend it's summer for one day in the middle
0: of winter, and we need your help. You listening to this radio station right now because there are things you can do in Winnipeg that are very much like summer without having to be summer. So if you have suggestions on places to go in Winnipeg, things to do that can help you feel like you're enjoying summer while in the middle of winter, you can text those suggestions to us at 204-780-6868 or you can email us. Mackling at CJOB.com, McGarry at CJOB.com, McNabb at CJOB.com. For example, I have been itching to swing a golf club. I need to go to the yeah. golf dome, They're the Bubbling boats great just off the Stirling Line idea. Parkway. Yeah, so I can go there, or you can go. They've also got. The, it's not just the driving range. They've got their virtual golf set up, where you can go play at Palm Beach if you wanted to. Did I really? get that right? Not Pebble Beach. I Pebble just said beach. Palm Beach. I went. Oh, like I, the I virtual I just,
1: re- the virtual reality set would take you to. Is it California? Yeah, yes. you can
4: you can play any course you want. Well, that's really, cool. That would be
1: nice because you'd have the ocean there. You could go in shorts, Brett. Yeah. Like, switch from flip flops to your golf shoes. There's yeah. a
4: place right by my house in East St. Paul. It's indoor beach volleyball all year round. It's called The Beach, so you can go there. That's just been open for about a year or so. So if you wanted to go there and you could trick yourself into believing that you're on the beach in Cancun or Mazatlan or Veradero or wherever you prefer to be, but maybe you can't go there for a
1: week. Hit up a pool, too. Like, kids had a birthday party at a pool. Uh, on the weekend and it's so tropical when you walk in there. I was like, oh I should just come by here and like smell the air once in a while and feel yeah, a little rent bit Yeah, a a hotel room yeah. f-
4: for a couple of nights here, a little of a and bit
1: of a little bit 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 of a little
4: you know what? I'll, and that, I'll be beachy
0: smelling. That's actually a good idea too, because when I go for walks on a bright sunny day here, I, sometimes I come home with a sunburn, really? so I should put on my sunblock.
1: And if it smells like you know that, you know the one I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's got like that oh coconut yeah. Hawaiian kind of tropic. Like, yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. I and as soon wall. as you smell it, you're like, oh baby, oh, there maybe, it wait, is. Maybe that's
4: Malibu rum. <laughs>
1: Hey, but coconut rum's another good idea. You put that on ice, you're almost in Cuba, baby.
0: We are just getting an absolute avalanche of text messages on the subject of climate change. We've found something extraordinary. Extraordinary and disturbing, that is. You recall what you said about how polar melting might disrupt the North Atlantic current? Yes. Well, I think it's happening. That is a clip... From the 2004 film, The Day After Tomorrow, and I think a lot of people, when they hear people talking about climate change, that's what they think of. A ridiculous movie that, so there was this weather phenomenon that changed and basically there, it was like catastrophic. Mm-hmm. That movie, by the way, just as a fun fact, was based on a book called The Coming Global Superstorm by Whitley Stryber and Art Bell, former host of Coast to Coast AM. Very
1: interesting. There was cold though in that film, right? They The whole sections of the earth were freezing.
0: Yeah, they were like these... Like
1: Manhattan, suddenly just like skyscrapers were freezing and collapsing under the weight of ice and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah,
0: because these ridiculous vortexes would open up into the troposphere and it was funneling in ice cold weather and the helicopters were freezing in the air and crashing. It was insane. It was dumb. Entertaining but dumb.
1: But what I have noticed and heard from a lot of people this morning in, in our text that we get from listeners and in other emails and conversation, we've been talking about, you know, the report out that says uh, 2018 was the fourth warmest year on record and then other data that ice caps are going to cause all sorts of melting ice caps are going to ex- cause extreme weather situations, particularly in Canada. And then the response from people saying two things, either it's, this is hysteria, like it's not going to happen, or what does Canada have to do with it because we don't contribute to global warming? And there's these these conflicting debates going on. I didn't, I, I, I'm curious that I many people actually don't believe the science.
4: To me, it's almost not even about the science. Can we all look in the mirror, or look at one another and go, we've been excellent stewards of this planet since the industrial revolution or or before? And, and I, I think we can all say that we have damaged... The uh, finite resources, many of the finite resources on this planet, in particular water, we have not done a very good job of managing our water resource. A lot of people talk about fossil fuel and, well, if we went to, you know, alternative fuel sources overnight, there would be anarchy, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if anybody's talking about it happening overnight, but is it happening quick enough? You know, some of these things are not going to last forever, and either you can catch on to that or you can get left behind. And I would love to see Canada be ahead of the curve on this stuff. We're fortunate to have all these oil resources that have created, we can all agree that Alberta is probably one of the best places on the planet to live Great cities, Calgary is an incredibly livable city, and it's such a contrast for a lot of people with the oil sands, et cetera. Hey, these are a resource. We need to we need to make as much money off of it as we can, as safely as we can. While and be we can. As, while we can. You know, we saw the train derailment in, in British Columbia last week. What if that had been oil tankers instead of grain cars? What would we be talking about today? I, I don't leave my garage door closed If, well, if I manage to fit my car into the garage. (laughs) Yeah. Don't derail this conversation because I'll go at you. Okay. So I don't think any of us, I don't think, and maybe, maybe I'm too much of a simpleton for this to have an effect on me, but I know that when I start my car in an enclosed place in a garage, I open the door so that the emissions from that vehicle do not stay In the building where I am, either there's a gigantic fan blowing it out if I'm in a parkade, or I open the doors of my garage to get rid of that air.
1: So that's your small comparison to, say, a a coal burning plant. Or or,
4: or, or. the effect we're having on the atmosphere with the cars that we drive. We got a text here
0: from Rick who is referring to the data that we were talking about earlier, the headline at uh, globalnews.ca referring to NASA data. And oh, I'm just, where is it? NASA report shows global temperature trends continuing to rise. It's a worrying sign. And uh, that story points to the tidbit that you referred to, McNabb, fourth uh, hottest year on record. And the Rick has sent something here that says never trust data at first Look, it is incredibly easy to manipulate conclusions and force a bias by just changing the way the same data is presented. The recent NASA data on global temperature is a good example. Reddit has the news as 2018 was the fourth hottest year on record. A Russian news site has the news as NASA data shows that the global temperatures have been dropping for a second year straight in 2018. Completely different biases based on the same real data. Uh, Reaction to that?
1: It's interpretation for sure of the numbers because they do show that it didn't get as warm last year as it had the year before, but it was still warming. So that allows for someone to say, OK, well, then it's dropping because it wasn't as hot as 2017. But the, four, the past four years have been the warmest on record. So they're talking about trends. And how long do we go before we say, yeah, I can buy into that trend or I need another 100 years to decide? He's not wrong. Absolutely. Anyone can look at a number and say, well, that actually shows me this. And someone can say, well, what I read into that is something else. So I'm just, but bigger picture. I know
4: in grade six, we did a scientific experiment where we took the temperature on the very same day in under a tree in the shade on the grass and on the asphalt. And I know there was about a 12 degree difference between under the tree and on the asphalt. So you're trying to tell me if we cut down all, and this is an extreme example, but if you cut down all the trees and covered the earth in asphalt, that wouldn't have an effect on the atmosphere conditions and the weather patterns on the planet earth. I have a, I have a hard time believing that that would not be the case.
0: We start this Our Greg and Loren with the Heart and Stroke and a report that they have come out with.
1: Yeah, people living with heart conditions have a significant risk of developing a cognitive cognitive impairment, so something like dementia. That's the conclusion of a huge study released by the Heart and Stroke Foundation this morning, which looked at thousands of cases in Canada over the past years and found what they're now calling a previously unknown link, and that would be people who've struggled with one heart condition – they now believe have a greater chance of not only developing a second cardiovascular disease, but possibly dementia as well. The findings are startling, and to share more on what they've learned and what we can do about it, we're joined by Winnipeg cardiologist, Dr. Shelley Ziroth. Good morning. Good morning. Walk us through this a bit. Explain the link. What are we trying to say to people here?
7: Yeah, so so this report really is all about making important connections And what the Heart and Stroke Foundation did is they analyzed 1.5 million hospitalizations in Canada uh, in the last decade. And what they found was that if you had a heart condition, a stroke, or vascular cognitive impairment, you had a 40% chance of being readmitted to hospital with a similar condition. So this really drew attention to the important brain-heart connection.
4: So there's terminology being used in this report for the very first time. We have heard about heart, brain, and now mind is being added into the equation. Dr. Zeroth, can you explain that terminology and why it's being added in this report? It seems fairly groundbreaking in my mind.
7: Yeah, it is. And I I think it really brings attention to a patient and a person as a whole. The mind is really what you use to, to think and feel. And the brain and the heart are connected by vascular connections. And uh, so when you develop vascular cognitive impairment in the setting of a heart condition or a stroke, it makes it harder for a person to do the thinking and feeling that they do every day with their minds in life. So vascular cognitive impairment can mean, uh, you know, have mild impacts such as difficulty thinking and concentrating, or it can progress to more severe forms, including dementia.
4: Because heart attack is so uh, readily treated and we have such a high success rate, does it feel as though that perhaps we see this—I don't want to be too flighty here, but the idea of having a heart attack and having it corrected uh, either mechanically or through surgery— might be like an overhaul of your engine or an oil change or somewhere in between for people that we 're not maybe taking as seriously, but when you add this mind component, that might be jarring for people about what they might be losing in a situation where they have a serious cardiac event
7: yes yeah, so there 's no doubt that that we are making you know great advances in the way we treat heart attacks. But ultimately, you know, part of the message of Heart and Stroke Foundation is about prevention as well. So what we want people to know is to be aware of their risk factors for heart conditions uh, and for stroke, uh, but also to draw attention for the healthcare system to these important connections as well.
0: Now, what if you have, if you've, you learn that you've had, say, a minor cardiac event, like to the point where you didn't even know that you had it, but you later learned that, in fact, you had had a minor heart attack. Is there a way to, to test if it's had an effect on your brain?
7: Uh, So I think the most important thing is for if people are concerned that they've had a cardiac symptom or even a stroke-like symptom, they need to seek medical attention and go to their their primary care doctor or family doctor um, who would then examine them, look at their cardiac risk factors and And then refer on for further consultation or further testing. I think that's the most important thing to to message here. Um, vascular cognitive impairment can be very subtle in its presentation, um, but there are there is testing, and there are specialists out there who can help make that diagnosis as well.
1: And from what I'm reading too, in the study, it the risks and the link could be even worse for women than men.
7: Yeah, you know, it really did draw some important uh, findings for women as well. And when I mention heart conditions, this isn't just about heart attacks. They looked at people with structural heart disease, such as valve uh, problems or congenital heart disease, heart rhythms, heart failure as well. Um, so this was a spectrum of of cardiac conditions in which women obviously have them as well. Um, And for instance, um, women with heart failure and valve disease have an increased risk of an abnormal rhythm called atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation increases your risk of stroke, and women who have a stroke tend to have worse outcomes. So there's a lot of connections specifically to women um, within this report as well.
4: Dr. Zeroth, we've been learning over the last decade or so just how how different the research is in terms of cardiac events and women. So this is just one more. is this a, a cascading part of that that lack of knowledge that we've had that we're sort of catching up with to to include this these revelations in this report?
7: The, uh, the Heart and Stroke Foundation is using the, the hashtag Time to, See Red to draw attention to uh, women's uh, heart and stroke and, and uh, cognitive vascular impairment conditions. Last year, their report focused specifically on women, but they still, again, draw attention to it in this report. And, and they use the term, the five unders, that women are under research, under-diagnosed, they're under-treated, they're under-supported, and under-aware of their risks.
0: Dr. Shelley Ziroth is a Winnipeg cardiologist on a heart and stroke report that shows that heart issues can also affect your brain and, as Greg said, your mind. Dr. Ziroth, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Pleasure. And you can read more on this report if you go to 680CJOB's Instagram. You can find a link to that report there to CJOB.com.
1: People living with heart conditions, so say you've already had a heart attack or a stroke, well, you have a significant risk of developing cognitive impairment, even things like dementia. Here's what Winnipeg cardiologist and director of St. Boniface Heart Failure and Transplant Clinic had to say this morning. When you develop vascular
7: cognitive impairment in the setting of a heart condition or a stroke... It makes it harder for a person to do the thinking and feeling that they do every day with their minds in life. So, vascular cognitive impairment can mean, uh, you know, have mild impacts such as difficulty thinking and concentrating, or it can progress to more severe forms, including dementia.
4: That's the voice of Dr. Shelley Zeroth. Now, for survivors of any heart disease, it's potentially concerning. I think we're, we're all aware and likely concerned about a second heart attack or cardiac event or second stroke. Catherine Hermignano had two open heart surgeries almost 10 years ago and joins us now to share more about her story. Good morning, Catherine. Hi. We're so uh, glad to have you here to to have this conversation. Uh, One open heart surgery is enough. Why did you end up having two?
8: I had a very, very rare heart defect, which basically my heart burst, like my aortic valve burst back into my heart. So it's very hard to diagnose. And it wasn't a surgery that's been done yet. So the original surgeon backed out. So I had another surgeon who came in and did the surgery. The first surgery wasn't a success, so a few months later, I ended up having to go for a second one the same year.
1: May May I ask, Catherine, how old you were going through that? I mean, it's just such a startling thing for anybody to have to endure, and I'm just curious. Um, we we make assumptions about age when it comes to heart disease, but that might, that's never fair, really. I was 18.
4: Wow. Wow, that, that word yeah. startling comes up again. So you, you, you baffled the doctors the first time. That's how serious it was. It was something that your original cardiac surgeon had never seen before and didn't know how to deal with it, if I'm hearing you correctly.
8: Yeah, that's correct. Um, it, was very, it was very terrifying because it actually happened, and I, I suffered from heart failure for three months before I was able to get a diagnosis from doctors.
4: It, it, and we've talked and discussed a lot about women's heart health and how how uh, things present uh, differently for women than they do for men. Did you get caught up in that so- cycle where, where the doctors weren't even thinking about cardiac issues because you were a woman potentially?
8: Yeah, I de- that definitely happened to me. I had to ab- advocate for myself, get them to listen to me because I, I looked like a healthy 18-year-old. Who wouldn't be sick so they kept on sending me away sending me away but i knew there was something wrong what
0: were you feeling like what were the symptoms that you were detecting
8: i was i was extremely like tired i lost so much weight in one month where i was basically like a skeleton it was bad and i knew there was something wrong so they sent me They kept on sending me back saying that, you know what? We don't know what it is. You look, you're fine. You seem okay. You're, you can speak properly. You can walk properly. There must be nothing wrong with you.
1: So to hear at 18 years old that you have to have open heart surgery and then then to have it a second time, I don't, I don't even know if you would have been prepared for that at that age at all. You know what? It was actually very
8: difficult for them to actually get me in for my second surgery. Because of the fact that, despite the fact that I had open heart surgery just a couple months prior to that, they said that I looked okay, I looked like the reco- my recovery was doing fine, but I still felt something was wrong and I had to still advocate for myself for them to actually
4: listen to me. Well, good for you and good on you for doing that. And I want to celebrate something that you've conquered uh, since this has happened in just a moment, but I want to tie it to my next question with regard to cognitive conditions and and now this study pointing to a link between heart conditions and cognitive impairment. I know that's one of the concerns I have for myself in terms of uh, concussion and brain injury that I've I've suffered in my life. And and I think a lot of parents think about the long-term effects of, of certain sports on their children's brain. Are you thinking about this differently now that you have this information? Are, are you, are, 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 you concerned about the potential cognitive impairment and the, and, and this coming out of your heart condition?
8: I definitely am. It's terrifying to think about that. I have to think about all the things that I'm definitely at risk for and cognitive, one of the most important to me, like, I don't want to forget anything, you know, and but I've noticed that, yeah, I tend to forget a lot of things. I had difficulties remembering anything after my second surgery because it was more complex. But, you know, I try to work at it every day, but I, I really do have to keep an
1: eye on it. It's startling because they're talking about, you know, if you have one, even just one heart condition or one incident, you have this increased risk of things of like the cognitive impairment or even dementia Uh, at your age to be in thinking about heart disease. I think you're you're what, 28 years old now, Catherine, to be to be thinking about then dementia, something down the road. uh, It would be terrifying for anyone. So do you have a message for anyone who's listening to your story today about what they should be doing when it comes to their own care or if they've gone through something like you've had, what they should be doing.
8: My, my advice always is because working with the heart and stroke foundation, I want people to like, I want to break the stigma on, you know, it, it can happen to any, at any age to anyone. So my advice to them is to, if you feel something wrong, definitely get it checked out. Don't let them turn, turn you away. Don't, let them say, no, you look fine, and send you off. Because if you, if anyone's going to know your body best, it's going to be you.
0: And I understand that after your surgeries, you've been in good health, and you even accomplished something pretty cool in B.C.
8: Yeah, after my surgeries, six months after my second open-heart surgery, I hiked up Grouse Mountain. Where's that? That's in Vancouver.
4: What do they call that, Greg? Uh, that's the gross grind. Good for you, Catherine. Uh, what was your time? Did you time it or did it really matter?
8: <laughs> you know what? My time wasn't the best because I used to hike up that mountain, but my time was about an hour and 41 minutes.
4: That's really, really good. That That's about average. And to do it after what you were through, uh, absolutely outstanding. So we wanted to end on a positive note. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Please keep in touch with us.
8: Yeah, perfect. Thank you.
0: Catherine Hermagnano joining us live on 680 CJOB. Once again, she had two open-heart surgeries at age 18.
1: Incredible story. And she's so well-spoken and moving on with life now and, and trying to battle all those things that would come with that. That's I can't even... You tell me I was going to go through that today, I don't think I would
4: have yeah. the strength to... So the growth grind for the uninitiated. It's in North Vancouver, up in the Capilano Valley, and uh, it's about twenty-eight hundred feet from the bottom to the top. That's the elevation change. Wow! And so, yeah, the average is about uh, ninety minutes, but the record is just over uh, just over twenty-three minutes, twenty-three minutes forty-eight seconds.
0: Wow. Yeah, if I were ever to climb that, when I got to the top, I would just put my arms in the air and shout "Drago!" <laughs> like Rocky IV, where he climbs that mountain.
3: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: There's a hill in Minnedosa I get to the top too, and I feel pretty good about right? that. Small town Manitoba hills make me feel like I've conquered a mountain, let alone that. So yeah, yeah. I does. guess
0: I'll, I'll probably won't. I'll get instead of that, I'll just go to Crocus Hill out in Transcona. <laughs> Garbage Hill. <laughs> yeah, that'll be an accomplishment for me. Yeah, we could walk down the street and go to Garbage Hill. Oh god, And then you can shout
1: that out, right? That would
0: be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Mackley, McGarry and McNabb. we want to have a follow-up conversation on vaping. Yesterday, we were talking about vaping because Health Canada wants to restrict advertising to keep it away from the eyes of youth. You walk into a gas station or a convenience store and you're likely to see some kind of vape thing on the counter or maybe on the wall. So... I hadn't really thought about it until Global News pointed the, this out. Well, one of our listeners heard this conversation yesterday, heard me talking about how I am a vapor, because I quit smoking in 2016 and then in early 2018 started smoking again. I've now switched back to vaping. They forwarded me a story on globalnews.ca, which was posted yesterday morning just after 10 a.m. And the headline reads... Man dies after vape pen explodes in his face, severing major neck artery. And the reason why, before we play it, the reason why I wanted to follow up on this is we, whenever we talk about vaping, we always get concerned parents texting mm-hmm. us. You know, what are, my kid didn't smoke, but now he vapes. And what is, what are, We don't know what the effects of these things are. We don't know what he's putting into his lungs. Well, now when parents hear a headline like this, they probably figure, is my kid going to die from an exploding vape? So here's more from CBS.
6: Not quite 25 years old, and he should have had a long life ahead of him.
5: Alice Brown never expected to bury her grandson, 24-year-old William. Brown was killed last week when his vape pen exploded in his face outside of this North Texas vape shop. More than 10 million American adults use e-cigarettes and experts say a malfunction can happen without warning. Brown is not the first person killed by a vape pen accident. Last year, a Florida man was killed by a projectile wound to the head from his exploding vape pen. Both men were using what's called a mechanical mod. Mechanical mods do not have safety features to keep batteries from overheating. Most e-cigarettes have safety precautions but can still malfunction. Carnegie Mellon University engineering professor Jay Whitaker.
6: Those that are produced by uh, better, well-known brands uh, probably use uh, higher quality batteries, and these higher quality batteries probably have a lower frequency of danger.
5: A recent study found more than 2,000 people were burned or injured by e-cigarettes between 2015 and 2017. As for the Brown family, they're considering a lawsuit and life without William. He has a future ahead of him, a life ahead of him. Brown will remain here until his funeral tomorrow. The American Vaping Association says people who use devices like Juul or any other product with an internal battery don't have to worry about an accident like this happening. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, Fort Worth, Texas.
1: Oh, is that a fairly not like not commonly used type of pen then? The, with the, the mech mod that they were talking yeah. about? Well, the thing with these
0: the, that device, the mechanical mod, is only seasoned vapors like people who are really into it not just for their like nicotine the- fix but actual hobbyists right they're the only really serious vapors should be using those because they are if you're if used improperly dangerous like the basic mech mod is essentially just a tube it's just a tube with no circuitry you put your batteries in and then you put a your tank or whatever di- device on top and then the button all it does is it pushes the batteries up to make contact with your vape tank and then it produces power and that's it. So if you, the, if you push that button forever, it'll never stop mm-hmm. until it blows. And essentially it's a pipe bomb, right? Cause there's no,
4: there's nowhere for those batteries no regulator, to go. There's no control on it. Yeah. It's an open connection as long as you're pressing on it.
1: So the warning you're talking about parents who often write and say they're worried about the nicotine or their kids. Yeah. Cottoning onto vaping. Then would the advice be to just avoid that type of, I would
0: would absolutely recommend against anybody to not use one of those unless you know what you're doing. And if you're a parent and you know your kid vapes, then maybe talk to them about it and make sure your, your kid knows what kind of Mm -hmm. device they're doing. Like the one that I have, I have, they referenced the regulated ones with safety features. I have that. It has an automatic cutoff because I've I've like leaned up against a wall and I thought, what is that noise? Oh, it's my vape thing going. Cuts off after 10 seconds if I'm pushing the button and I don't realize it.
4: Otherwise, it it would just continue to heat up in your pocket.
0: Yeah. Wow. And and because you've seen the video of these things exploding in people's
4: pants and like when you see these
0: batteries blow up, it's like, catastrophic explosion. It's huge because they use these lithium batteries which, as we've seen, can also explode in your cell phone.
4: And that was what I was thinking about right away, right? Uh, you know, uh, far be it for me to defend the world of the vape pen or or vaping overall, but keep in mind we have had reports of Apple batteries in the past overheating. If you charge them in your bed, there have been fires, there have been people have died. Uh, we had the Samsung Galaxy Note 7 that was recalled. Multiple people were killed when their batteries exploded. So this any mechanical device has this potential mm. if it has a, a short mm-hmm. or is it manufactured or assembled Properly, we've seen this in the past, but from what you're telling me here, there's some extra, there's some extra danger in using this particular device if you don't really keep an eye on it.
0: Yeah, and I'm not trying to, to to scare anybody. I'm just saying if you if that's the kind of device you're using, or maybe your child is using. Uh, then make sure that they know what they're doing. Just make sure that you understand the kind of product you're using because they shouldn't be
1: used by people who are maybe just nov- yeah. new to it. Or like that's not a risk I even stopped to think about. I don't even know why. I never even thought to ask you how that pipe generates the, the vape, the steam, whatever. It's not steam, but you know, smoke, yeah. whatever vapor. it is. I never even stopped to think about it.
0: Yeah. So just uh, be careful, I suppose, is the word of advice.